Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast, where we feature SaaS founders, operators, and investors. Today, we have a really interesting product and a friend of mine, Max Ostroff, CEO and co-founder of Studio Box, which is a very unique product. Uh, maybe, Max, we can start with uh, just understanding the product and, um, and what the challenges you're facing are right now. Yeah, so Studio Box, we build uh, hardware and software tools to enable remote video production. Uh, and now what that is, is the ability to control lights, cameras, microphones over the internet uh, from anywhere in the world to make video uh, a lot cheaper, a lot easier, a lot quicker at a professional level. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so you've been at this uh company now for a couple of years. Tell us about the new phase as you're moving into more of a software model from um, an entertainment background. Yeah, so uh, I come from the television production world. Uh, I spent about 13 years producing all types of TV shows from you know tiny little ones on HGTV all the way up to $30 million budget Netflix shows. Uh, during the pandemic, we saw the entire industry go dark. Uh, production did not have remote tools. Production being the, that sort of segment of video creation when the cameras are rolling and you're actually creating something, as opposed to pre-production, which is all the prep work, and post-production, which is editing. Um, the editing world already has a number of remote collaboration tools, but the actual um, creation of video content did not really have any tools. So everybody I knew was out of a job, out of work and sort of scrambling to figure out how do we keep filming right now? Um, whether it was a commercial production company that needed to do commercials or a reality TV show, or even you know our, one of our first clients was Masterclass, so an e-learning content company. Um, and my partner, Ian Smith and I, we got together and we figured out how to get a computer to talk to lights, cameras, microphones, all of these different pieces you need for a shoot. They're all digital, um, but sort of the way they've been operated, the concept of a film crew or a video crew is still very manual and old school. It hasn't changed for 50 or 75 years. You have independent people each, you know, having a conversation and like dialing in knobs and controls on their own devices. So what we did was we connected all of that gear to a computer, figured out how to control it through the computer, and then we packed it up into a case, a shippable studio in a box that we could send anywhere in the world. And once it was opened up, plugged in, we could control it over the internet. And we started doing interviews, we started doing um, promos, commercials, e-learning courses for a whole uh, number of different customers and, and built a production company around it uh, where we were getting hired. We'd ship out one box, five boxes, and we would do interviews all over the world for these people. And then we would deliver them their footage at the end of the shoot. Um, and we started to transition from a production company to more of a, um, a SaaS company when all of these customers started asking us for our technology. You know, the world was opening back up. People were you know, getting back to work and the video professionals who could run a shoot were able to. And, uh, so we essentially started building a single piece of software to do what the 10 pieces we had hacked together were doing in, in a remote shoot. And our thinking around that was like, how do we bring the onset experience online? 
Um, what does that look like with collaboration between a crew, with controls um, for multiple different devices, putting them on a single dashboard? And so, yeah, we've been transitioning now uh, to a SaaS company and trying to get our boxes and software out into the hands of people to use them. Yeah, absolutely. Really interesting. I think about like um, that challenge as the onset of COVID puts everyone in their homes away from, you know, the technology and the folks that can help with that. And I think that, you know, a lot of people that work in, you know, the generic corporate America experience this where, you know, they have this desk they don't really use because they go in the office five times a week next to their bed. And how do they make their own Zoom background and their own setup, you know, palatable for a corporate setting? I remember, um, uh, like work from home before COVID really sort of normalized it for people. I remember having a call with somebody who was literally laying, like sitting up in their bed, which I thought was a little weird. Um, and all of that to say, I think that a lot of people have this new sense of remote video, how they project themselves as well. And you, you know, I watch a lot of sports media and you see a lot of folks that are clearly like in their den, you know, maybe they're on ESPN or whatever it may be. So um, I'm curious how like this product can necessarily help people, you know, as people are less centralized in cities or near offices necessarily get that production quality video. Is that like sort of the vision? Yeah. I mean, video is becoming incredibly important for every business, you know, there, it is a new lever to pull in the marketing uh, departments, you know, everybody is creating video podcasts, there are customer testimonials. So like on the pure business side, we're seeing video sort of explode in growth. Um, and then, you know, we're also seeing uh, companies start to shift to this remote production model. I'd say like sports and broadcasts did it first. Okay, it used to be you'd pull a a truck up to a stadium and it would have a full control room and a director inside the truck. And now they're sending all those camera feeds to a, a unified place. Um, and sort of how that relates is like, we're thinking about how does everybody else harness the, the savings of uh, remote, where instead of flying a crew of four people and all of their gear, you can ship a box or, you know, you were talking about people building their own home studio setups. Not everybody is a cinematographer. Not everybody knows how to make stuff look right. And so what we're building with software is the ability to either have a remote cinematographer control your local gear, or we're getting to a point where we can automate things like lighting and camera settings um, and start to in introduce AI uh, to help sort of democratize the expertise that a professional film crew would have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. And I think it's interesting because like um, you mentioned like the entertainment interest industry, but you're also a SaaS product and like the challenges therein, like, you know, my head naturally goes to applications that is potentially outside of entertainment as is my background. But, you know, as you can tell by, um, and if you're just listening, Max's uh, uh, video quality is miles ahead of mine. It feels like it would be sort of like putting an F1 car engine, like, I don't know, onto a bicycle or maybe some old beat up Camry. So I'm curious, like how you think about, um, as you're, you know, mulling over like areas to expand in the company and as the, the product itself gets easier to apply and like the classic SaaS model, if you think this is something that's going to break out of entertainment as well. Yeah. So we, you know, my background and my, my co-founder's background is in entertainment. You know, our immediate world was, um, television production, uh, as well as sort of uh, music video production. But what we noticed, um, just with the types of customers we had, over our first two years, 
we were being hired by a really wide range of different customers um, to create professional level video, like cinematic quality, um, which if you're a business and you want to be taken seriously, like you kind of need serious video. Like we could, we all have phones that can make TikToks, but even on the you know creator economy, like once people start getting successful, they upgrade their kits, you know, they're and they are shooting with professional gear. Um, so you know, we see ourselves as being able to deliver that cinematic quality to lots of different businesses. Um, we do things like video podcasts for companies. We do. Um, internal communications when the CEO has to call in to MSNBC or maybe they want to give an all hands meeting um, and they're big enough. We, we see lots of customer testimonials and advertising content, marketing content. Um, so while there is sort of applicability in the entertainment industry, uh, I think it's the corporate, the enterprise that we're seeing a ton more interest in, in video and just a lot of growth there. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And, you know, as you look and compare those two industries, so like, that's why I think it's so interesting because like you said, you know, your background's in entertainment and now you're, you know, dipping your toes in a tech, you were featured in TechCrunch, which is I'm sure a far cry from where you started your career and, you know, for better or worse. Um, but necessarily, I'm just curious, like as somebody with uh, the perspective of experience in another industry, what sort of surprised you about SaaS either, you know, maybe the way folks talk to each other, the way companies are talked about, the way people do business because I'm sure like that's a very like interesting like uh, vantage point you have like coming into tech sort of sideways. Yeah, it was uh, it's been a rapid learning experience. Um, you know, we launched as a production company and because that was where we had knowledge, familiarity. My co-founder had run a production company for for 20 years that sort of scaled up and down with the size of the project, bringing on different freelancers. And, um, you know, building a tech company was new, you know, we, we hacked together our first studio boxes, we figured it out, we figured out how to control them. And then, you know, when it came time to create software, write code, we needed to find our technical, you know, counterparts, we brought in a CTO. Uh, so it's been a lot of learning in the SaaS world. And, um, and we're just getting started selling our subscription product. Uh, we haven't even released our software and we we already do have people subscribing to boxes on sort of a hybrid model where we're controlling their shoots operating their shoots and they like the fact that they're you know a business that can outsource video production remotely to hollywood professionals for a fraction of the cost of you know having to bring in a crew and shoot in an office Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The services component of it is really interesting as well, because like you mentioned, there's a lot of like really uh, interesting folks that have that specific domain knowledge and skill. And I'm sure are like really necessary to complete a lot of those things. Um, so tell me a little bit more about maybe the decoupling between the hardware and the software. Is there, you know, something in the in the roadmap for you where it's you're really selling this software and a subscription model that could be, you know, may, maybe more rapidly deployed? Because you know, I'm I'm taking a look at the the box itself on online, of course, and it's like very impressive in just the simplicity. You pop it open, you have the screen going. It's very self-explanatory. I mean, I don't know how technically hard it is to set up or how many um, outlets you need or anything like that. Um, I already am kind of blowing through my uh, energy uh, bill in my one bedroom in, in Williamsburg. But, you know, so I don't think I can really plug that into one of my wall sockets. But that being said, just curious, like what the plan is in terms of, you know, are people always going to need the hardware to get a lot of the value out of Studio Box? No. So um, 
So first off, think about the box as like a giant laptop. You know, yeah. it's a computer, but instead of your little dinky webcam, it has a professional 4K camera connected to it. Instead of your, you know, I, uh, I instead of your headphones, uh, it's got professional microphones. So it's like a giant laptop and it's, it sets up like that. You literally open it up, plug in the power, hit the power button, and then a professional can make you look good uh, and dial it all in. So we wanted that to be as easy as possible. But in the building of the software to run a box, we realized that you know, this software can control additional equipment. So if you think about the box as a studio, it's a bunch of gear plugged into a computer. So our software is designed to control all of these things. And you know, theoretically, you could download our app and it would scan your computer to see that you have a sure you know, MV7 microphone plugged into it. And potentially you've got a, you know, a Canon DSLR. And if you wanted to give control of those items to a cinematographer or an audio engineer, uh, you could, and we could start to dial in the settings and make you look good. And our goal then, you know, in the future is also to have a button that says, you know, auto cinematography. And that camera and our software would sense that there is you know, a window behind you letting in a certain color of light and it would adjust the camera and it would adjust your ring light and it would adjust uh, everything to optimize wow. you and sort of give you the look and the expertise of a pro, but like at the push of a button. Um, yeah. So that's where we see our, our software going. It, mm -hmm. uh, the box needs the software because it puts all the controls on a single dashboard, but the software does not need the box. It's designed to control any studio setup. Um, all we need to do is just add on more and more hardware functionality. So, you know, this month it's Blackmagic design cameras and next month it's Sony's and the month after that it's Panasonic's and pretty soon we've got a list of a couple hundred devices we can control remotely. Mm -hmm. Interesting, interesting. And I feel like um, maybe like with any like software product, especially one where there's necessarily like an interoperability of it all, where they folks might engage with it differently than you normally expect. So like what comes to mind, especially as you mentioned ring lights is there are, you know, millions to billions of people um, that sit at home and record themselves and post themselves on TikTok and Instagram. And, you know, I think that like the beauty of those platforms is that it starts with anybody with like a smartphone um, and those people are able to make careers out of it and then eventually professionalize both their brands and the videos they create. I'm curious if you've gotten any um, interest from maybe those more individual creator folks that, you know, maybe they make TikTok videos or they do their own sort of video production, even YouTubers that, you know, definitely the studio boxes within their budget and scope. Um, if, if that's something that you see yourself expanding into. I think our primary goal, or at least our initial goals are to like to nail the B2B space. And for us, that's video professionals. Um, so that's either independent production companies, that's video pros that are on staff at enterprise companies, uh, and eventually getting into more like sports, news, broadcast, that kind of space. Uh, we definitely see applicability to the creator economy world. Um, but you know, right now there's a pretty small fraction of the creator economy that is spending anything on video production. Um, so I think it'll be once we start releasing some of these automation tools that you know, make their lives easier and make it so they don't need any professional video expertise. They don't need to know how to you know, dial in the ISO or the white balance of a camera. 
um, that's when I think our software will start to appeal to like a much wider base of customers. Do you find that there's sort of a Moore's law phenomenon with camera quality? So like looking at the, the box on, from the post on TechCrunch, you see that this really big professional looking camera that obviously far exceeds what people carry around in their smartphones, um, especially as like, you know, digital camera from a consumer basis has decreased. Do you see that happening that maybe could also open you up your business up to the creator economy that like, you know, in a world where um, 4K cameras either from like a small webcam or, you know, a smartphone gets a lot better? Are we still like a long time away from that? No, I, I think we are seeing, you know, cameras in our phones get better and better. We're seeing algorithms try to mimic professional quality cameras, you know, like Zoom has a function where you can blur your background and it, it doesn't look great, but the intention is to try to mimic like a, a camera with a shallow depth of field where you have actual optics. So while those things are definitely increasing, there are certain elements that uh, will take a while longer to get to. You know, I think one of the big things that makes something cinematic is lighting. And right now, cameras are not focusing on that. But there is a point in five years, 10 years where, you know, you might be able to add a virtual light inside of, you know, your, your video app. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's absolutely accelerating to that place, but will it kill the entire, you know, economies of Canon, Nikon, Blackmagic designs and the professional level stuff? I think we have a lot longer before it, it does that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then shifting to the B2B growth of it all, which, you know, obviously is a, a big focus of this podcast and what we do at Bloom Growth Studio. Curious how you're thinking about that. I know we've talked about, you know, subscription pricing and some other pricing models, and it sounds like you have a really good understanding of who could use this product, who could get value from it. Like how um, is your go-to-market um, shaping up? And I know that, that it's fairly early for that question. And maybe you, you want some help there as well, but curious, like, well, like, you know, given your experience, sell, like, you know, being in that industry, working with those video professionals, you know, what do they care about? What are their pain points and how do you ultimately reach them? Yeah. I mean, the biggest, the biggest pain point is the cost associated with creating professional video right now, you know, shooting an interview, a one hour interview at a high level could be $5,000 in your city. You know, it's a crew of four people. They show up with a dozen, a dozen Pelican cases. It takes them three hours to set up. Um, so building something like our box or controlling things remotely eliminates one, the travel expenses associated with moving crews and their gear around. Um, it also takes four people controlling different items separately and puts them all onto a single dashboard. So now one person can do what four people have done. So like for us, that's the biggest thing is we're saving massive amounts of time and money. Um, and because of that, different potential B2B customers are really interested in it. Um, from you know ESPN, who may want a commentator who is remote, to um, you know, a big enterprise company that has five, six offices around the country, but their video team is in one office and they constantly need to do interviews with executives trainings, you know, things like that in multiple offices. Um, so the biggest pain point I think we see is expense and, and we can really bring that down to a fraction of what it currently costs to shoot at a professional level. 
Um, in terms of thinking about our sort of like go-to-market strategy, like I think I, I mentioned before, we are just starting to uh, transition into this subscription model. So thinking a lot about you know our outbound, um, talking to the people we already have partnerships with, reaching out to people on our wait list. Um, we've done 500 remote shoots for a whole list of different companies. And a lot of them, I think we can convert to subscribing customers. Um, uh, thinking about sort of what our marketing channels are, where are professional video people? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they watching YouTube? How do we hit them with certain ads? Um, I think a really unique thing we can do is also create a referral and like affiliate type program because these boxes are being shipped to people all over the world. They're being shipped to thought leaders. They're being shipped to creators. Um, so there's like a little bit of like a virality in using it where it ends up in someone's house and they go, oh my God, this is way better than having a crew come into my house or my office. I wanna use this for my next shoot. So we're thinking about that sort of referral side of things. Um, and then community, you know, like community, uh, there are most production companies are in New York, they're in LA. We want to bring them together. We want to show them what we've made. Um, and then also like the product itself, you know, when you can invite different crew members in to use the product, maybe we come up with a freemium version. How do we do sort of like a, a PLG uh, experience with it as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it'd be extremely sticky for, you know, these big production companies, especially as they're considering reducing costs. And it sounds like it also makes it a lot easier to get a shoot set up and done with, which I would imagine comprises a lot of spend. If you think about all the showrunners and everybody else that's on a set, um, don't have explained that to you, of course. Um, cool. And then um, in terms of how you go to market, like are like with the existing clients that you have, um, what has been sort of like the feedback from them, I, I, like, you know, in the, especially in the SaaS world, those that early uh, client feedback is so um, important for marketing success. Like, what are some of the success stories you're able to share? Um, yeah, wait, there's a couple of questions in there. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I think one thing we've learned is that there's up until like a certain size of business, they want somebody else to handle video production entirely. You know, like, let's say, Let's say it's up to 250 people in your company where you do not need to hire video in-house. It's not part of your strategy. And when it's time for you to shoot a video, you just want somebody to handle it. So um, in that case, the remote nature of what we're building appeals to these companies because they can outsource their video to a professional who can run it from their house. You know, so maybe they have gear set up all the time. Maybe they have a studio set up or maybe they want a box but it, they like it being remote because they can have an outsourced video crew. Above that, I see companies that uh, have video professionals in-house and they like the remote camera capabilities and the remote equipment capabilities that they can then ship the box to their other office or to somebody for their podcast or to their CEO's you know, vacation home. Um, so that's some of the like discovery we've seen. They're sort of like a flip in where they want the remote nature, whether it's the crew or whether it's the equipment. Um, on the discovery side too, you know, a lot of what we shoot is interviews. So the talking head interview category 
um, is customer testimonials, marketing content, podcasts, uh, e-learning, keynotes, things like that. And we're talking to production companies that are shooting, you know, two to 30 interview type shoots a month. And when you've got expenses around that and moving people around, like those can get really expensive. Uh, so, you know, just for example, if you have 30 interviews a month that you're shooting as a production company and it's costing you five grand an interview to shoot, uh, all of a sudden you have a subscription product that is a monthly cost. It drives that like per interview down significantly. Um, so learning about how, you know, how much people are creating, how they're creating it, where they're creating it uh, has been sort of part of our discovery process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the ROI calculator is a hallmark of any good SaaS business. So really exciting there. Awesome to talk to you. And as we wrap up today, is there anything you're looking for in our audience or any kind of people um, as you build out the team um, and you know, look for new customers? Yeah, I mean, for... For what we're doing, we, you know, we're really excited about essentially taking the experience of being on set and bringing it online. You know, that is our goal, and we think that will help storytellers uh, create a lot more content for a lot cheaper and make it a lot easier. Um, we are doing our first raise right now. We we bootstrapped ourselves as a production company uh, for our first two years, uh, up to about a million and a half in revenue. And now in order to convert into like a SaaS tech company and, and provide these tools, these remote tools to video professionals everywhere, uh, we are raising, which is fun and exciting in this current climate, you know, no, man. Like, yeah. man, it's so hard to raise right now. I'm like, it's my first time doing it. I have no basis of comparison. Um, but uh, yeah, so we are doing that. And then, you know, always looking for interesting customers for, for people who are looking to create better quality content um, to do it easier, to make it cheaper. So many companies now have content strategies that um, it positions us well, get yourself a box, ship it when you need to ship it, you know, control it remotely or have a pro do it for an hourly rate instead of a multiple people day rate. Um, so yeah, customers out there, it's great. And you know, if you have anybody you want to ship boxes to for your video podcasts, we're happy to help as well. Mm -hmm. Yep, we'll get there. Probably season two of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast will come with a complimentary studio box subscription, but we'll get there. I need a, a few more million listeners and, and we'll figure it out. Look, I think I think we can do a, you know, a, a nice trade with some Bloom yeah, yeah. consulting and we'll get boxes for your guests. Yeah, yeah, the, the barter economy. I love it. Um, that'll be the, the title of this episode. But Max, thank you so much for the time today. This was a really fun conversation. Um, I learned a lot from it, and I'm sure a lot of folks that are in the entertainment industry will get a lot of value from it and reach out. So thank you again, and uh, stay in touch. Thanks, man.